Welcome to our show, Conversation with Priya. Today, our guest, Ramesh Ramanathan. Ramesh Ramanathan is a chairman and managing director of Sterling Holding Resort Limited, a leading vacation ownership and experiential holiday company in India, an MBA graduate from the Indian Institute of Management, Calcutta, and with over four decades of experience that spans across a range of industry, Mr. Ramanathan has nurtured two of the largest vacation ownership companies in India. Ramesh's career in the industry begins with the Sterling Holiday Report in 1991, where he worked to successfully position the company in the global vacation ownership market. Also, as the founder of Mahindra Holiday and Resort, Mr. Ramanathan is responsible for the establishment of the club Mahindra brand. Returning to Sterling in 2011, Mr. Ramanathan transformed the company, taking it to the new heights. The advantage of the company under him was furthered by its acquisition by Fairfax Financial Holding Limited, a global investment and insurance holding company headquartered in Toronto, Canada, with global asset with worth more than USD 40 billion. Sterling relaunched its brand in December 2017 under his leadership. Ramesh is the founder member and an ex-chairman of the All India Resort Developer Association and has served on the National Committee of the Tourism Confederation of Indian Industry outside of the business world. Ramesh is also a connoisseur of art and Carnatic music. So help me to welcome Mr. Ramesh Ramanathan. Thank you for joining in today, Ramesh. Um, thank you for accepting my request today. And you are so welcome in our Priya conversation with Priya today. Would you like to tell something about you to our audience? Of course, uh, uh, Priya, with pleasure. Firstly, uh, good afternoon. Thank you for having me on your show. It's great to be talking using technology and talking across borders, across continents uh, in this case. So yeah, so uh, uh, I've been um, briefly, most of my career, majority of the career, I've been in the hospitality industry. But that is not to say, you know, I haven't done anything else. Uh, I passed out of my uh, Indian Institute of Management, Calcutta, with my MBA, one of the premier institutes in the world now. It's ranked in the uh, world uh, top business institutes. After that, I worked in the paints industry for some time. I worked a series of industries, paints for a very long time. Then I was in building materials. I was in um, uh, tires. I was in um, internet for a very short while in the early days and, uh, you know, and retail. And finally, when I got into hospitality, somehow uh, I grew with hospitality and hospitality grew with me. <laughs> and in both these cases, uh, now I think it is a good, uh, what, uh, almost... Uh, 27, 30 years in hospitality. So I'm not your traditional hotel person. If you notice, I'm not saying I'm a hotelier. I'm <laughs> saying I'm a hospitality person because that's what I am. Uh, because I sort of brought in a lot of, uh, I would say, commonsensical approach or a consumer-based approach into the industry. Uh, the good part is that ever since I've been, um, I consider myself lucky because um, I love what I do. And... Uh, if you love what you do and you're also getting paid for it, I think it's a double bonus always. Yes. So <laughs> that's the case with me. I've been with um, the two top uh, holiday companies in the country. Yes. First, I started with Sterling. Then I started, I founded Mahindra Holidays or Club Mahindra for the Mahindras. I was with them for sure. almost uh, 
12, 13 years, followed by another 10 years now with Sterling. So that's where I am. That's interesting. So your journey has been very interesting, especially entrepreneurial journey as well. It's, you know, just just not being hotelier, but also you are more of an entrepreneur kind of a person. That brings to my next question. And I would like to know about Sterling Holiday broke into India's corporate scene some three decades ago with the incredible innovation and concept of timeshare in holiday experience. Can you tell us on the origin of the idea of timeshare and how do you see the future of Sterling Holiday Resorts? Okay. Uh, yes, you are right. Uh, Sterling did start in uh, 1986. So that is how old we are. One of the oldest uh, holiday uh, companies uh, in the country. It was started by a first-generation entrepreneur. Uh, somebody was a chartered accountant, he started it, and he, the timeshare concept was already available in the West. In the US, it was very popular, Europe, all that. Uh, he thought that uh, Indians, to Indians at that time, holidaying meant that you did it once a year, you packed your bags, went to your grandfather's place, or you went, you know, as they say, yeah. Uh, visiting, visiting VFR, we used to call it visiting family and relatives. That was the holiday, right? Yeah. All of us, I think, at some stage have gone through it. You all land up in summer at your grandfather's place and, you know, you have fun. It's good fun. Yeah. But then yeah. he realized that things are going to change and he started it and he borrowed this concept because it was a nice mix of you, you sort of investing in a holiday. So you take a holiday every year. At the same time, it becomes inflation proof and so on. So that is how the company was started. But then having said that, it very quickly metamorphosed into the Indian culture. Yeah. Because uh, abroad, uh, as you know, the, in the more developed countries, the habits are different. Uh, for example, uh, I've noticed in the US, Europe, and I'm sure even in Australia too, they have a holiday calendar where everybody plans one year in advance in companies. You have to tell them when you're going, where you're going. Hmm. And people used to know where to go. As you know, as uh, like it happens in Australia, you go to the Gold Coast in summer, you know, for the sun and so on. Whereas in India, uh, it was not that fixed. So they changed the concept around a little bit. They sure. did not make it fixed. Uh, the concept originally was, uh, you know, tied down into property. All that was released. So it started developing. Uh, uh, invariably abroad, it is self-catering. Whereas uh, Sterling decided to set up uh, restaurants so that people could need not necessarily. Funnily enough, in India, people were not willing to cook when they were on a holiday. They wanted to actually come outside and eat. Yeah. And they set up this concept of holiday activities to engage yeah. children and adults. So it was a completely it evolved and changed. So to that extent, Sterling is the Sterling Holidays is the pioneer in terms of holidays yeah. in the country. Interesting. And and making attuning it to Indian consumer. Yeah, yeah. So that that flavor of the cultural context is evolved with the Absolutely. sterling itself. Very, very interesting, you know. Because in not fact, many... you know, sorry. In fact, uh, it'd be very, you know, as you would know, uh, you know, in a typical sterling resort or any resort in the country, uh, you know, India, the country is diverse. The food habits are different every 200 miles or yeah, 200 yeah. kilometers and you have to cater to everybody yeah so it is a you know you can't give a standard food and expect everybody to be happy so there are a lot of changes which had to be made 
Yeah. And over a period of time, sterling has evolved, and along with that, the industry and you know the the product has evolved, the industry has evolved. What sterling offers today, if you turn back, is very very different than what it was in in the early two thousand. Yeah. And I always believe if a business is not evolving with the time, it's very easy to lose the market quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not only the market, I think the, you know, uh, for example, when I was in the industry, people used to take once a year vacations. Yeah. Now, if you see, invariably, in the Indian market, in the domestic market, people may take multiple vacations. Yeah. So your product had to change and for example, the type of holidays that people take in India, they take typical leisure holidays. Yeah. Which is your, you know, mountains, beaches, jungles, and so on. Then they do heritage places. People go yeah. to, you know, Jaipur or an Agra or a Mysore. Then they do, and as you know, one of the very inherent practices in India is going on a pilgrimage every year. Yeah. So sure. we had to cater. So as a company, we have now changed. We have included all this as part of the holiday. So we yeah. have generally described holiday now as anything other than work for which you will take leave and go. And therefore, the holiday universe itself has changed. And as a company, we are now having all these sort of locations in our portfolio. It is not necessarily a conventional leisure destination. That's interesting. Because a lot of people are not evolving with the time and also not including the cultural context. India is a diverse country. It has all sorts of uh, taste and flavor and every type of expectations you can imagine you can find in one country. Uh, with uh, It has up to us that we, with the, all that diversity, we are still actually living happily kind of things, kind <laughs> of an, yes. another country. Every country has its own problem, but we are. Yeah. And um, it, it's really beautiful to see the companies are actually uh, accepting and adopting to the situation and accepting all parts of the world and evolving with that time. India has often been described as a tourism powerhouse, yet the inbound tourism in this country operates below the optimum level. What are your suggestions for a healthy growth in the industry in India? Okay. Uh, the primary issues, uh, Priya, and it's good you are asking this, is uh, more to do with infrastructure. Yeah. Okay, rather than anything else. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I think uh, the... The basis of our hospitality yeah. is Atiti Devo Bhava, which means you are not a guest, you are a god. Yeah. Any guest is a god. And so therefore, I think our approach to hospitality is amazing. The philosophy behind it is amazing. The I always say India is like a maxi Europe. So, you know, the variety in food, the variety in, you know, culture, all that, as you said, is fantastic. But what affected us? To a large extent was infrastructure. Hmm. But then if you turn back and while it is still below what it should be when you compare it to a France or a Singapore or even Australia for that matter, yeah. it's picking up. Why? Because of some of the moves the government has made. One is in terms of roads, in terms of you know airports and air connectivity, and in terms of overall sophistication of the hotels, you know, so you know, hospitality. Yeah. All this has changed. I think it's picking up. It's still some way to go. I think Corona has set back plans for everybody yeah. because not able to travel. But once that is over, I think things will start improving. But having yeah. said that, I want to make one point here, yeah. which is to say 
that the Indian market is resilient because it has a huge domestic tourism potential. Just imagine if this many people decide to move, 1.25 billion people decide to move. So the domestic market is always there for us. Yeah. But um, you know, we need also inbound traffic to come in. Yeah. I think after Corona, I expect to see an increase because all infrastructure aspects are being addressed. Highways, for example, have really increased the construction of yeah. highways. Airports, new airports have been opened up. Yeah. So, yeah. for example, uh, in India earlier, in terms of domestic tourism, yeah. people used to travel from, let us say, from Delhi to the south. They used to go to 10 different places. It used to be a long trip of 15 days and then they go back. Today, people from Delhi come to Goa for a weekend and go back because it is possible to do so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, connectivity has improved and I think inbound tourism will go up once this travel restrictions are lifted. Yeah. And constantly I'm saying infrastructure, is it already there? No. But will it be there? Yes. Things are improving. Yeah. You know, so, for example, uh, you know, so there are all sorts of foreign brands which are coming. They have all established their presence. And therefore, there is a lot more people who are willing to come in now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember when I was in Delhi and to go to Agra, it was three hours. And if traffic is there, it can go anytime. But now uh, my brothers and sisters are telling me it's like one hour journey. Right? Correct. From, uh, I, I'm from Lucknow. So from Delhi to Lucknow, it's like it used to be 12 hours journey. Now mm -hmm. my sisters are traveling between Lucknow and Delhi five hours. Absolutely. The I, same thing between Chennai and Bangalore. Yeah. It used to take so long. Now you can do it in four hours, four and a half hours. Yeah. So that's... And that's it's improving all the time. It's improving all the time. Yes. And the beauty of an Indian culture is that we we always promoted uh, this whole tourism concept through pilgrims, through worshiping places, through the important places of every god and goddesses, and the in the important places of the saint and the wisdom we actually acquired throughout the centuries. You know, so, so one of the things which we have done, and I must add here, and I'm uh, sorry to uh, interrupt, but. Uh, you know, in the last two years, we have started something in Sterling Holidays called Discoveries and Experiences. That's Basically, good. earlier, yeah, we used to, D&E used to be the concept. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we used to do is that earlier, if you had a location, uh, let's say Shimla, uh, people used to come in. We used to go by what is already few places there and arrange for that. Yeah. Then we said, this is not enough. We need to help people discover Shimla, its heritage, its folk, you know, folklore, whatever. Yeah. So we are now doing discoveries and experiences in in a big way. Since you are, you said you are uh, from Delhi in Masuri. Yeah. There is this uh, place called Lambi Deher Mine. Right. Okay. Now this is a mine where it's supposed to be a haunted mine. Oh, okay. Because there was an accident. I mean, it's one of those stories. Yeah, but yeah. nobody used to go there. We have now developed dark tourism has also developed. So we organize a trip there for people to see and come back. This is the sort of discovery of Masuri that we are doing. Very Similarly nice. with, you know, fruits in Masuri or the food of Masuri and so on. So we are oh, doing yeah. all that now in a big way. Yeah, very interesting. Because, the, you see, the more we will educate to the external world, not all, even in India, not many people are aware of all parts of the world and every city of has, I'm pretty sure every city I go, I always find something unique. Even in villages, yeah. 
I found very uniqueness in each village. So there is yeah. always something to find in the different Absolutely. different cities. That's the beauty of our Indian, uh, you know, overall geography and location. So tourism has a good scope uh, for sure. It I heard that it was a eight trillion dollar industry worldwide, and it was growing, been hit badly. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is gonna come back, and it is gonna when it will come back, it is gonna go bigger than it was. I'm pretty sure. Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, but you you know you have been a constant figure in the industry right from the its inception. What has been the enduring factor that has led to the professional career fully identified with this industry? Uh, thank you. Uh, it's a question. I think it is something I love to talk. Nobody has asked me, but let me answer that. The first thing I said was, I mean, coming from a very selfish point of view, uh, I love what I do. Yes. And of course, I'm getting paid for it. So I think that is good. <laughs> beauty, beauty of this, yes. Yeah. The second thing that you said is that um, India has a lot of things to discover. Yeah. And I'm, I think through this means of this working in, in this company, I'm helping people discover it. Yeah. The third thing, and I'm really happy for this opportunity because as you know, in India, uh, employment opportunities are at different levels. Mm -hmm. uh, we have now, of course, software engineers all over the world and all that. But then there is a level below of people who have just passed out of school who need jobs. And I think hospitality industry does that. Not only that, well, hospitality industry overall does that even in cities. We are going to places which are remote. And as a matter of our policy, we employ 30 to 40% local people. We train them from those regions where they have very little opportunities and we train them. It's very a great, you know, it's a great satisfaction that we do it. Finally, it also gives an opportunity. There are two things which we focus on, apart from being an industry and, and all that. We focus on the education and environment in the area. So we work actively towards wherever we are located, we work very actively. Rather than in cities, we make an impact where we are. Yeah. yeah. So I think these are the things that have sustained me all there. And as you know, you know, I'm going nonstop, not even allowing you to talk. That's how much I love this industry. No, that's the passion I can see every time I hear you. But see, that it's very beautiful that you guys are doing because CSR is actively um, getting attended by a lot of larger institutes, which is very good. And they are actually participating actively and government is also bringing, bringing some rules for the larger organizations to participate in the CSR level, which is very interesting to see. And the biggest problem for Indian, overall Indian geography, that a lot of uh, people from rural side is coming to the urban area in search of job. They don't want to come. There are a lot of people do not like leaving their hometown or village, right? If we can create that kind of opportunity, which you are talking about, it could not get, get any better, right? And that will also reduce the burden on the urban area. And villages village will still continue flourishing because that's our identity. I still believe village is our identity. That's where we... Absolutely. 100%. And I think tourism has a big role to play in it. Yeah. I think, as I said, with this uh, increased highways and penetration into the rural areas uh, and wealth getting distributed into the rural areas, I think hospitality size will improve. One of the things about Indian hospitality, especially I'm saying holiday 
hospitality or leisure destinations is the scale has not become very large mm. okay the scale is still small so if you have a 100 room hotel it's considered very large given the population of india i mean i'm saying look at a las vegas you know 1000 room hotels and so on <laughs> why can't india have that yeah. even a goa doesn't have very big hotels except for one or two yeah. so i think that is the next step and once that happens yeah i think what you said lot more of people in the local area will be able to get employment locally yeah. and when we go to that area we give direct employment there is a lot of indirect employment also which happens so yeah. i think uh, our industry the leisure industry has a huge part to play hospitality yeah. industry in terms of you know keeping people where they are and giving them opportunities yeah yeah and also that's also comes to the responsibility for the people like us who is little successful and belongs everybody has a root of village right i came from a village right and my in-laws are from my village so if i'll take my responsibility to any of that village to support at any extent and if i can gather some more urban people to support our own village i think that distribution will be much better than what we have if we will come out that selfish need and we can create some some kind of philanthropy and if you will start our philanthropy from home would be really even better for any any industry and we all should participate in that Absolutely. and that i mean government brought that concept adopt a village right uh, but to be honest if i'm not billionaire can't i do anything you know we can maybe maybe it will not be the very large scale but every little droplet does matter absolutely 100% i couldn't agree with you more yeah that's that's something i'm i really appreciate when you explain me all that what you guys are doing on the village side online platforms are now a key player in the hospitality sector do you think they are a necessary evil or do you still believe that in person approach is much better <laughs> good question i'm always thankful about one thing and i keep telling people uh while uh, you know lots of services are getting you know all this artificial intelligence and you know digitized and so on i said hospitality is one thing that will require two people somebody you know being pleasant and exchanging warm so i said we are in a safe industry but having said that yeah i think digital is the way to go because anything ultimately priya is you know how you use it yeah right and um, you use it differently then it can affect you use it well it can promote artificial intelligence helps you understand your customers better yeah online travel agencies have been able to reach out to a lot of people mm. so the idea is to work with them i personally believe you know uh, we saw you know industrial revolution and all that i think all of us are fortunate enough to be in an age where we are seeing another huge revolution happen and the way we work and the way we think has to change yeah and therefore it is a question of using all these Uh, i don't consider online travel agencies as a necessary evil i think they are necessary yeah. and so is you know and so is every other digitization aspect yeah yeah i think they are all necessary it depends on how well you use it you cannot put a robo and then say okay you know yeah it takes care of everything i think ultimately a human brain is that much more faster and it will be able to react and i think we need person to person interaction so it's yeah. a mix of both and how we adapt to it as we go along yeah 
And that emotional quest is always uh, plays a bigger role when it comes to the hospitality level. Um, it definitely plays a bigger role um, in that sense. So uh, what I believe in this overall and online, that's also I would like to contribute here that if you are putting this online, it is also making aware, right? How would a person would know that what's happening in the corner of the Chennai, right? It will only happen if you will be coming online and telling the world about it. Right, absolutely. So All that, of them, they are able to access it and so on. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we are. I mean, um, I mean, I, it's it's so different. I have, you know, I have two children, one living in San Francisco and one living in Sydney, and I I get to know within minutes of whatever is going on because there's a WhatsApp, there's a Facebook, and so on and so forth. So yeah, yeah. So, it is useful if you make it useful. So that's how it is. And you very, are absolutely very, right. very true. And I mean, it's been very helpful for me being living isolation. Um, we know we know how it is important and we used it. But for the businesses, it's really even better getting to go global. It's we, we really come living into the global village. How are we going to embrace it? That's the another part of the story, isn't it? Absolutely. In fact, ever since uh, this Corona, that even Corona, a lot of people said, oh, it is bad and all that. I said, yes, it's bad. But I think there are a lot of learnings out of this. Uh, while I'm not, you know, earlier, if you had to physically meet people, you mm. had to, you know, work out a lot of things. Yeah. You know, how yeah. you travel. Whereas the Zoom is actually helping you be in touch with people. And this is not only at work, Priya. I think even in terms of family, ever since Corona happened, we have had family meetings. Yeah. Once a month, family budgets and so on, once a month with people across the globe, from East Coast of US, West Coast of US, Australia, everywhere, joining in. You yeah. have to only adjust for the time factor, but otherwise you are actually seeing them more often. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so interesting. And if it would have not been there, we wouldn't be embracing the technology right now. I mean, Zoom was there 10 years ago, but this pandemic taught us how to use it and why to Absolutely. use it. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> so we found yeah. our answer automatically. Um, and also the education system, a lot of things didn't stop because of this technology embracement, which we are actually doing it right now. You know, Very interesting. So that brings to my last question. How does a successful M&A, mergers and acquisition deal work? What are the synergies partner need to look for and the pitfall for, to avoid? I know you did the acquisition, so that's why I, I thought I, it so, would be best to ask you this question. So, you know, there are, you look at all the normal things, which is your, you know, when you look at a acquisition, you look at uh, the potential of the company, its uh, relatability to your business, its ability to, you know, throw cash uh, in the future. I think these are all things that, you know, so you look for value in the company. Yeah. One of course is you can, you know, I can go and buy other hospitality companies, but if I have surplus, I can go and buy anything anyway, but people try and tend to stick to the knitting and buy. But I think what is most important in m provided all these things are, you know, you're qualified them, you still need to look at a good management team. Does that company, because ultimately everybody carries a lot of knowledge which they have developed over a period of time, which is there within the company. And that is something that one needs to ensure. It yeah. is not that you can take something over and minus its people, it has the same value. 
So yeah. all I'm saying is that you need to look at a business fit. You need to look at, you know, future cash flows, but you also need to look at how good people are and how, you know, whether they can carry it into the next level of, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, sure. performance and operations. Yeah. As you said in the last conversation that, you know, people should invest in the leadership. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. People, Absolutely. And I always believed that your employees and the leadership team is your asset. Right? Absolutely. If you really want to, even though you are acquiring a business, pick the right person for your team because they are the asset. Don't throw them away. Very hard to build that kind of an asset. You can build the material asset. So very hard to build the asset the leadership and the workers can bring with, which who would been involved long time in that business. Very true. Very true. So thank you so much for joining in today. It was nice chatting with you as always. And I will be looking forward to meet again in the future. Thank you so well, much. Uh, Priya, thank you very much. And it's, uh, it's a real pleasure talking to you, as I said. You know, it looks as if, you know, we are right here, but, you know, we are thousands of kilometers apart. It's really lovely. And I look forward, I must say this, I loved Australia. I love the restaurants you have in Sydney and Melbourne. So I'm really, I'm a foodie. I'm a vegetarian, but I'm still a foodie. And uh, I really loved it when I was there last. So I'm looking forward to visiting Australia soon. Yeah, we will be looking forward to meet you. All your details will be given down below. People wants to visit India, must visit to sell it. And get contacted with him on the social media. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. 